Thank you so much for ruining high school athletics. And uh, I went, wow. You know, that most wonderful time of the year (laughs) is when we reclassify. You know, we'll learn a little bit as we go along. I do not envy you guys at all for making these decisions. Makes my head hurt. Welcome to another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. Thanks for accessing us however you are doing so. Large device or small, audio or video, your favorite podcatcher, social media channels, choice D, all of the above. It's a big one. It is the first time that we have had a guest in studio here at Georgia Public Broadcasting in the Football Fridays in Georgia pod studios. And it is a large guest, the executive director of the Georgia High School Association, Dr. Robin Hines, fresh from a tour of Mercedes-Benz Stadium, getting ready for this year's championships because they are coming sooner than we think. It's a wide-ranging conversation. We talk about NIL. We talk about reclassification. talk about a lot of things coming up with the championships. And Hannah, who is over there, found out something she didn't know. I did. I'm not going to spoil it, but at the end, we ask him all about his special hobby. It reminds me of when I ask all of the players in the recruiting interviews, what is something that nobody knows about you? And that's what we found out about Dr. Hines. And I never in a million years would have would have guessed it. Very, very cool answer. Very, very cool in-depth kind of a conversation about a bunch of different things. So what do you say we go ahead and kick it off? Let's get right to it. Dr. Hines is here, and we just have some real talk. We're not here to grill him. We're here for some some serious questions that we have, curiosity coming out of the executive committee meeting earlier this week. So let's start with the elephant in the room, and that is NIL. It passed 66 to 9. What all went into this decision to approve NIL for high school athletes? Well... <laughs> I know that's a loaded question, Dr. No, Hines. It's, it's really not. It's something that give us the elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah, we've obviously been looking at this for yeah. a couple of years mm-hmm. and really been studying on it for the past year and a half. And of course, it's a topic, you know, clearly nationwide. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, prior to you know our having some type of rules surrounding NIL, which I'll get into. People don't, it's not what people think it is, you know, a little bit later, but there are currently 31 uh, state associations uh, that are doing something now before we did. I mean, it's it's coming, it's going to be here, and it's just a matter of, uh, you know, are you going to, you know, get your hands around it and make sure that it's what it is that you need to do. But the thing is, people hear NIL and immediately, you know, I wanted to do this much earlier, but, you know, I started talking about it and started writing about it, and I was getting coaches, said, I can't believe you want to pay kids to play football, you know, well, I don't, and 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 we don't want to do that. It's built on the premise that individuals' name, image, and likeness belong to them. What does not belong to them are the intellectual properties of the association, the school, the school district, and that sort of thing. For instance, you know, if it's if anybody wanted me to influence them or push their wares or something like that, you know, I could say I'm Robin Hines and. I want you to get this milkshake over here. You know, they have great milkshakes, but I can't do that as the executive director of the Georgia High School Association, for instance. And and every other student that's that is out there 
that has that same opportunity, you know, but you're kind of discriminating against those that may have happen to play sports. And one thing that you need to realize as well is that uh, the undue influence and in recruiting is still in place. It is the same thing. It's really not a whole lot of difference at all. And you could even look at it uh, from a perspective of it adds another layer of protection, you know, because if a student transfers, it may even be a bona fide move, but but it comes with a booster organization or someone associated with the school or loosely there, all of a sudden there's some NIL deal right there, then they would be deemed, uh, you know, ineligible immediately. So, uh, you know, it's, it's really not a change. If, if people would go and look at the guidelines that were set forth, you know, by the executive committee, you know, through that proposal and go back and look at the undue influence and the recruiting and, you know, these type of things and the definition of what a booster is that applies in these situations, it's not that big of a deal. You know, there will be a, a few people that – are able to get something, you know, but, uh, you know, the amateur rule, it stays in place as well. And, and what you have to remember, it says you cannot capitalize off of athletic performance. You can't pay for play. You know, a, a student can't get paid for scoring a touchdown or, you know, you know, these type of things. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of shocked a little bit at the, at all the attention that that get that gets, and everybody wants to talk about it, but uh, but it is what it is, and it is go. And people are comparing that to what's happening in college, and they put nil money and collectives again. That would be a violation in the high school space. So so there aren't any any collectives, but they couple that and they see what's going on with the transfer portal. We don't have one of those either. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when you when you put those things together, you know, at the college space, that's why everybody, you know, has a you know, looks down on that. Oh, it's ruining this and that and the other. But uh, but, you know, we don't see it that way. And, and, and we wanted to go ahead and get in front of this, you know, while we still could before there was possibly legal action or even some legislation that we wouldn't have any control of. And and so no matter what happens, you know, we've got a great starting point from where it is now, and, and I'm comfortable with this moving forward. And I know that there were a lot of states that you were looking at to try to get compare, contrast info as to how they handle NIL. There were ones that you were more fond of than others. What were those states that you were looking at and sitting there going, yeah, I like how they're handling it? You know, most of them are pretty much the same. And and I'll go back with, uh, you know, way back when this first started, Eddie Bonine, who is the executive director in Louisiana, he felt like that the current rules that they had in place would allow for a student to have an NIL uh, activity or a, event or whatever it is that you want to call it. And I was like a lot of people that I'm hearing from now at that time, no, we can't do this. But when I go and look, and he's talking about the recruitment issues and the uh, undue influence and the amateur rule and all that, which really kind of goes out the window with what's going on in college yeah. now anyway. But mm-hmm. but that's neither here nor there. So so my good friend from Louisiana, it turns out he was right and, and was thinking ahead, and that was you know a couple of years ago. But uh, Maryland has a really nice 
one. It's 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 a lot longer and more in detail and you know that sort of thing. We wanted to provide guidelines, and I found that Oklahoma's was really right up. It's a one pager guideline. You know, it's a you know these things are uh, you know banned or whatever they would be violations, but not limited to you know those type of things. And so we feel really good about what we've done, and we're having a requirement that. NIL events need to be uh, told to the athletic director or the school, and it gives them some kind of control as far as guiding the students, saying, "Wait, you can't do that," or you, you know, those those types of things, and and it, it provides some accountability and keeps both the school and the um, student athlete out of harm's way. So we've talked a lot about what we can't do. So let's run through an example of what we could do. So let's say I played volleyball in high school. We almost won state. Shout out to my Trojans. We got second. Let's say I'm this incredible volleyball player at Lasseter High School and I can't get money for scoring points. I can't wear logos. What can I do? How does this affect me? What what would I be able to do with my name image likeness now in high school? Well, I can tell you what you can't do is you can't wear the uniform, you can't use footage, you can't use the facilities, you can't use mm-hmm. the Trojans, you, mm-hmm. you can't use the high school name, you can't use the March logos of the GHSA. It's got to be something that is totally separate okay. from your athletic performance like in, in those schools. Like could I shoot a commercial like on TV? Yeah, you could. You or could do, most, do a paid promotion, paid most of Signings? those are like are uh, you know social media mm-hmm. uh, okay. influencers. Okay. You know that's okay. what most people do, and, and they'll go and and so it could be it it could be Hannah likes these knee pads, okay. you know, and all that. But it can't be Hannah the Lassiter High volleyball player okay. likes these okay. knee pads. You can't you can't do that. Got it. Got it. And then it could it be like the local Wendy's, like, you know, Wendy's can can make some sort of deal with you and you could go out and do Hannah influ- likes in- Frosties. influence stuff on, on social media. I just think of Wendy's because that's where we went in high school. We'd all meet at the Taco Bell Wendy's. Um, so you could go out and do like social media videos and stuff like that and be paid that way. You could do that okay. as long as any of those things aren't set up by any okay. one who is a party okay. to the school. Okay. You know, okay. you can't, it, 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 you know, that the agent of the school or the district or anything mm-hmm. like that and anything can't be done in order to influence you to stay at a school or transfer and go to another school. Okay. You know, again, yeah. it goes back yeah. to the same rules that have always been in place. Yeah. John, I, I promise I'm going to let you ask a question. <laughs> so what about kids under 18? Is there any sort of particular rules? I know there's a child actor rule where if you're under 18 and you're an actor, a lot of the money goes into a trust. How does this work for underage kids? Well, the Georgia High School Association is certainly not in charge of people's personal finance okay. and <laughs> trust funds and yeah. tell them what, they, what it is that they need to do, you know. As as a capitalist, I'm all for anybody you know, making what money they can. Yeah, you know, as long as it stays in the lane and doesn't affect the amateur status and those those type of things. You okay. know, th- those are concerns to us. What, this is why we put this together with those guardrails to make sure that we do. Now, you talk about the uh, the younger students and all. There are some things that 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 do concern me that fall in the responsibility really of the parents and those kids and all, you know, there could be some issues with 
a student earning money that could affect financial aid, for instance, you know, and going off to school. There are things that that could affect their amateur status, but but that really doesn't matter anymore with as far as the NCAA is concerned. Mm-hmm. And so so they need to educate themselves and we'll be putting out some materials and some okay, sources great. where they would be able to to go to learn about what NIL is. This is really new to us, yeah. you know, obviously, and you know, we'll learn a little bit as we go along, but you know, the structure of it is what it is and what I've explained. And the, the biggest thing is the amateur rules in place, yep. undue influences in place, and uh, recruitment rules are still in place. And you can't get paid to play. Okay. You're not yes. paid to play, period, end of story. Yeah. How spirited were the discussions in the executive committee about this particular issue, I guess, from the genesis of the idea, say, a year and a half ago and working forward, knowing it was going to be an inevitability, probably? How spirited were these discussions about yay, nay, guardrail here, guardrail there? What were these conversations like? Not really spirited at all. You know, I mean, like I say, I've... I've spoken about it numerous times. I've written about it. Uh, you know, I, if if you're in the association or you're on the executive committee, you knew that. And 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 what it was and the guidance, you know, because really all all that was changed was the bylaw that says you can't capitalize off athletic fame. Fame is stri- is stricken. And performance is in there. Okay. And the next one is, you know, uh, students may receive consideration from his own, his or her own name, image, and likeness, given they follow the the uh, guidelines found in Appendix N. And then there's about a three quarter page (laughs) of do's and don'ts, and you know what you can and what you can't do, and. and it, it it really wasn't that spirited. Uh, you know, the response from the media has been spirited. spirited. And I had quite a day yesterday. I wish <laughs> I'd just did. driven home from the executive committee <laughs> meeting. But, uh, you know, I'm, I, I did a lot of these things right here. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, I've, we're definitely I've, glad you came and talked to us, too. I've gotten some spicy emails. I'm, uh, sure I'm you not have. shocked one you know, bit. I, I got my favorite one is is. Thank you so much for ruining high school athletics. And uh, I went, wow, you know, and which I normally don't respond to those type of things, but I made to this one because I want to say, did you read the proposal? No, they're just seeing NIL. Have you seen the the rules that are in place that are still in place? You know, so, but it's just, you know, I've been doing this for seven years now. I'm. I'm pretty much used to it, and and Thick I skin. and I know what's gonna, what's what the reactions are going to be, and and that sort of thing. And I was involved in this, you know, more than a lot of other things. But you know, also people don't, you know, I'm not the the king sitting on the throne telling everybody what it is that they're gonna do. I'm an employee, and I implement what the association tells me to do. You know, but uh, but I think the right decision was made here. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the guardrails are in place so it doesn't get out of hand. And, and we can certainly, if, if there is legislation, as we always do, we'll react to that accordingly. And and we'll just do the best job we can in, in, in promoting uh uh sports in Georgia. Yeah. And, and stay up with everybody else. Yeah. One more question on this, and we're going to move on because we got a lot to talk about. When you have those type of people, 
that send you those emails. Like, for instance, when we were leaving our game last Friday at Walton, I had this really nice man walk me to my car. I was with Lori, my producer, and we were talking. He had no affiliation with Walton at all. He wanted to be there because of the innocence of high school football. He likes to go to all the local high schools, and he mentioned the NIL. And this is, you know, we knew the meeting was coming up, and I didn't get into it with him that it was about to change. But he mentioned the NIL and how college football is, you know, ruined and changed. And when you have those type of people, and our listeners are probably going to be some of those type of people, what's your what's your couple sentence pitch? Why is this good for the athletes? Why why what's the what are the positives for high school athletes? Well, well, the biggest thing for me was is to get ahead of it and make sure we have some guardrails to prevent it from being like the colleges. Mm-hmm. To be yeah. honest with you, yeah. I'm going to be honest. There yeah. are some people that that love what's going on in the college. They're the the haves, and then you mm-hmm. got the have-nots. And and when you talk about that, you talk about these people raising all this money, you know, for collective. So I'm going to give you a great deal to come to my college. I'm going to pay you more money than, that, than you're getting where you are there. Mm-hmm. I don't want that situation yeah. in, in high school. Yeah. I, I don't want it. I want it to remain pure. But whether we want to admit it or not, name, image, and likeness, my name and image and likeness belongs to me. And 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 they are no different. And and they should be able to do that as far as the you know, the right to publicity. You know, you can do that, but as far as where our sports and all are concerned, we're gonna protect that and we're not gonna get to a place to where there are booster organizations or independent people who are compiling all this money to entice this player to move from school A to yeah. school B. And and that's it's a violation under our current rules. If and it does happen, is it is it they're ineligible? They are. They right. they would be ineligible and and uh and there are a lot of times the way that it works is the member schools are the ones that monitor each other. Yeah. You know, people don't realize that there are 14 of us that work at the <laughs> Georgia High School Association and especially, you know, our administrative assistants in there do an unbelievable amount of work and they do it really well. We are not the NCAA. We don't yeah. have an investigative arm <laughs> and that sort of thing. So those schools are the ones that go and and trust me, they look There'll at There'll be people watching. Uh-huh. They look at each other, you know, all the time. Oh, and, yeah. and if there's if if one hundred percent of the time, if there's legitimate mm-hmm. evidence, documentation yeah. given, we deal with it. I could rattle off situation <laughs> after situation, and you would go, "Oh yeah," you know, because yeah. people also say, "Oh, the recruiting and transfers just out of control and all," but. You know, it is what it is, and and one illegal transfer is too much, but our schools do a pretty good job of of keeping up with those things, and I know that the Georgia High School Association takes care of every issue that we are aware of. Is there a money money cap? Are we going to see high school players walking around with, like, millions of dollars? I would think that that is uh, not very probable <laughs> that that's going to happen. I just wanted to ask. I just wanted. I'm just thinking. Like everybody okay. is asking that okay. question: Is there a cap? You yeah. know. Well, you know, I'm not gonna. Yeah. That's the free market that we. It is that. a free market, and, and nobody puts a cap on how much a coach can make, or right. you know, or there, there's there's no cap mm-hmm. on on what I make, even yeah. though I wish 
I think we all wish we made a little more money, right? (laughs) Maybe I need an NIL deal here. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, nobody is uh, asking me to come and and influence their sale of blizzards at the local Dairy Queen. Although I'm available. (laughs) But not as the executive director of the Georgia High School Association. Got it, got it. This is making a lot of sense. Thank you for clearing all that up. Dr. Robin Hines (laughs) is with us for this particular show here on the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. The other issue, and it's one that you and I have been talking about a lot. At the very least, currently as things stand, we had at least one too many A's when it came to competition, especially in football. 7A meant that you had 7A, eight championships. Now we're going to have one less A, and then you have the, the private division split. What's it like finally to have one less A where – you know, I can sit here and, and rail on the idea of teams below 500 making playoffs, regions that are mini regions, MINI, four non you know, four region games. You're chasing after seven region games. We finally have one less A when it comes to championships. What's it finally like to have six A as the top class? Well, you know, I used to say that that I want six classifications, and the only reason I want six is because I know I can't get five. Yes. <laughs> now. With that being said, the you know honestly, it's trying to find the right spot, and and you know you're trying to worry about the competitive balance. Obviously, that's always in your mind, uh, but you're also very concerned about travel. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Georgia is a large state, and there are some places that are isolated. You know, when you go to Richmond Hill, I don't care what league you're in, you're going to travel. You know, and the folks in Lowndes and Moultrie and Camden County, they've done it a lot. All Towns County, no matter what you do, there's going to be some. There's no direct way to get to Hiawassee. There is not. (laughs) It's a beautiful place, though. (laughs) Yes. But uh, so the way that that six came around is you start looking at the 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 disparity of the enrollments. And clearly, uh, it is more profound on the lower end, okay? Because, you know, I think once you get above 2,000, 2,500 and all that stuff, it's a diminishing return in the difference, you know, as far as athletes are concerned. And, And I do believe that the, you know, last time the committee and the executive committee put together and they split single A into division one and division two because those smaller schools, you know, can uh, don't have to play with somebody that's three times as large as they are. So that's what it is. So you try to find that best place where you can help everybody a little bit, make the regions a little bit larger because I don't care, you know, somebody that's been real successful and, and, Played it. It's hard for them to find games. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's there's no question. You know, a lot of folks going out of state to find games. Prince now. Avenue has traveled the world. It seems like you know to <laughs> to to go and get games, and and so the thought of being able to put teams in a little larger regions and having another one to two games that are automatic, you know, from the region standpoint, seems to be a good idea. So one less A, but mm-hmm. there's another big thing that happened with reclassification. I'm gonna. Try to not confuse anybody. So the 3A, 1A private division split. So that passed 53, 18 to 4. It would keep public and private schools together during region play and then separate them again for playoffs based on some sort of power rating. So just a few years ago, the GHSA decided to integrate private schools back into regions. Now they're separating them again? What 
what uh, was the decision behind that? And explain explain it a little bit more. Well, I think that, uh, and and I don't have the particular data. Yeah, you know, I don't, yeah. I don't dwell on that, yeah. and 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 I don't make this plan. But I certainly see it from both sides. You know, I mean, you know, previously everybody was playing by the same rules. The multiplier was the same. You had zones that were the same, mm-hmm. and and that. But and and I'm, this is approximate. But but over the last year. Uh, with the small privates making up a small percentage, you know, probably less than 10%, you know, but they're winning 60% yeah. of the championships. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And and just to say that they have advantages, you know, I, I don't like to say that because I don't want to discount the fact that, uh, you know, a lot of those people, like a lot of other people, they do a great job and they're great coaches, you know. Alan Chadwick hadn't won all those games he's won by being a bad football no, coach, and just no. because he's good. And and I do know that uh, that when you see his kids get off the bus, you know a lot of times you wouldn't trade his kids for what they're going to play, but he goes out there and whips them with them. You know, and yeah. I'll say that. But but it also is disconcerting for a lot of our public schools that feel that, you know when they can look at the bracket and this. I'm quoting from. The meetings and all they look at the bracket and they know exactly when they're going out okay. and and so you know they, they they feel like it's going to grant more opportunities you know for more kids and at its core that's what the georgia high school association is about is to provide opportunities for young people that's that's going to help them you know learn those long-term life skills and but but we're going to get together Every couple of years, and we're going to reclassify, yep. and, and somebody's going to be unhappy with something. They're going to be fighting with somebody else, and and as it comes down, everybody's going to get excited about it. But then once it's done, we get together and they begin to play, and things become normal again, and we get a we get almost a year off, and then we start that process again. And <laughs> it's what I like to call that most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> it's when we reclassify. Yes. And, and I know obviously one of the concerns is the non-revenue sports, because if you have these far-flung regions, region one, say one seven A as an example, you mentioned Richmond Hill. There's got to be a time in the year where a non-revenue sport is going to have to go to Moultrie, say, in that one in that two-year cycle. And it's trying to figure out, okay, the non-revenue sports, they play midweek. You know, how do we, you know, make sure that they're also in school, they're getting, you know, they're not missing a whole lot of class, they're not getting back late at night, all these different kind of things that you guys have to consider when it comes to putting your regions together in a reclassification setup. I mean, that's another aspect of this, too. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult. I'll go back to when I was a superintendent in Houston County, and I believe our schools got put in the Augusta region. Well, that's a long way. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at it the f- first time, it's kind of fired me up a little bit, but I'm not the kind of guy that's going to pick up the phone and call and start fussing or or send an email <laughs> saying that uh, that Ralph Swearingen was ruining high school football <laughs> in the state of Georgia or, or ruining athletics in the state of Georgia. But but I went and I took a look at what the committee had done. And, and, and it's just like when you're rezoning for high schools yeah. and when you open a new high school no matter where you draw the line, somebody's going to be on the other side of that line. Yeah. And and I'm just sorry. That's just the way yeah. that it is. Anytime you're, it's whether it's reapportionment in the mm-hmm. government or whether it's uh, 
rezoning for schools or reclassifying. You just do that multiple times all mm-hmm. over, so you get the opportunity to make everybody mad. But <laughs> but but when we went to, there were things that we did as a region, and and we subdivided, for instance, in all of those sports, and we played one year here and one year there, and 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 one of the schools from Houston County would go over mm-hmm. and and play a doubleheader on Friday night and then play another team on the next day, yep. you know, spend the night go, you know, there are creative ways that, that you have to do that. But, uh, you know, hopefully it, this is going to make travel a little bit better. And I never promised that it would fix all issues. What? <laughs> I never promised that, I, you know, but, but it will help most people some. And, and as I said, if you, if you take it much further, then you're going to run into you're going to exacerbate the uh, competitive balance thing because of such of the discrepancy between the yeah. enrollments. It's a complicated yeah. issue. Yeah. One more question on this, um, and I do not envy you guys at all for making these decisions. Makes my head hurt. Um, me too, honestly. So the Lovitz and the Maris of the world, you mentioned Coach Chadwick, they were all bumped up a few years ago. Are they going to remain in larger classifications? Do they come back down? Is the multiplier still in effect? We're going to see. You know, the multiplier is uh, is still in effect. Uh, is it the same? It's not the same. Okay. Uh, if you remember, after the last reclassification, you know, travel was was a big deal. Yeah. Okay. And 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 it's not just the privates that have mm-hmm. moved up. You know, you've got. Some city systems yep. that have done the same thing. It's it's really this. You know, if you allow out of district students to play, you know they're going to be multiplied up. But uh, you know, as I was working with the legislature, you know, on this and and hearing what their concerns were, travel was a big deal yeah. with that. And they and they said, and and we understand a multiplier and the need to try to do that, but but. Does it have to be so draconian, you know? And by that I mean that if if you're just out of district, then you count three. Yeah. But there are a lot of kids, and this is not just the private schools. This is many different schools. Even in Houston County, there mm-hmm. may be somebody that lives out of zone or out of district, and that kid has been going with his mama, who teaches at the elementary school since pre-K. Yeah. You know, is does that kid belong to them? You know, I mean, you look at a place like Gordon Lee, for instance, you know, that comes to mind. Tryon, small little city school systems, but, but you know, a lot of those kids have been going since kindergarten. And clearly, that was not to improve athletics or, you know, you know those sorts of things. Yeah. Now, it gets a little more possible. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. probable once mm-hmm. you get into middle school. And so if a, if a child started while they were in elementary school, they don't count to the multiplier. Okay. All right. Yeah. So what else is on your mind? Okay. We're, we're going to move on. Thank you for clearing <laughs> up that as well. Another big topic is championships back in the bins this year. You guys just toured where our setups are going to be, all of the new happenings there at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. What did you see, and how exciting is that for the GHSA? Well, we found the the uh, janitorial closet where oh, you're quite no. <laughs> Great, great. So I'm in, I'm in the, the janitor's closet for our broadcast. There you go. Awesome. No, the right. acoustics will be great. <laughs> yes. But we're we're really excited uh, about going back yeah. and and you know the the people that we're working with there are just mm-hmm. just really awesome and professional yeah. and organized and 
I mean, you know, we just made this announcement, what, last December. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we've made this. We were at a point now where we were kind of everybody's on the same page. And, of course, we'll continue to meet and get ready. But everything is just pretty much framed up and, yeah. and we're ready to go. So so we're excited. You know, I've said it a thousand times, but when you have the not only the best facility in the country, but probably in the whole world, you know, and we have the opportunity to be there, that's a that's an experience that those football players and cheerleaders and band members and even the spectators, you know, you don't get many opportunities like that. So so we're really excited about it and we're just grateful for our partnership with the with the Falcons and, and just, you know, their public relations people have been great. And of course, you know, uh Rich McKay has just been an awesome partner and our partnership with them and working with the flag football and, yes. and going through yes. is, is it just kept those conversations going. And even though we were away for four or five years and all that, we never stopped talking about the possibilities of things. And, and, and now we feel like that both of us are at the right place to be back there because we all feel like we're just in better shape all the way around. And they've had some years in that thing. So we know where we can, you know, best help the association, so to speak, and cut some costs and, and make it manageable for us. You got replay too. We do. Video review. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, we're excited about that. Yeah, so it was initiated this year for the championships after the 3A title game between Cedar Grove. Well, not directly after, but the you know the Cedar Grove-Sandy Creek game kind of started this whole snowball. We pretty much had it figured out by Sunday afternoon. <laughs> Sure you did, Dr. Hines. Yes. So how did you did a test run during the Corky Kell Classic? How did the test run of replay go and and were there any changes made after after that? Uh it went off without a hitch. Awesome. And uh, you know, I I can't re recall the number of reviews there mm -hmm. were, but it, there weren't very many. And they all went the way that the officials called it on Great. the field. Great. And so, you know. What I've said all along is is our officials are awesome, and they get it right 99.9% .9 yeah. of the time. And I can say that going back a long time ago when I was a coach. You know, when I first became a head coach, I fussed all the time way too much <laughs> and, and that sort of thing. And then I would go back and look at the film of what I was fussing about, and they were right most of the time. <laughs> and I realized I looked at things through my bias eyes, and we have great officials in our uh, great state. But at the same time, in a game that big where we have the technology available to us, we really need to make yeah. sure that we get it right. And and we're still human. Mistakes happen. Yeah. And and I'm telling you, the association, the coaches, the officials, everybody involved were for this uh you know, move to video review. So we feel really good about it. And, you know, we've got some guys that have worked hard putting those protocols together. And we've got several teams, you know, that will do that. And 
and they've created in such a way that they're, they're booth reviews. They can really review anything, and the coaches have an opportunity to throw a flag if they want to throw okay. a flag and, and that sort of thing. And we've limited the amount of time, you know, you two minutes to review a call because if, nice. if the call on the field happens and, and you're still looking at yeah, it because then you're looking later, for something at a we're going to go back, okay. and, you know, to what, what is on the field. And, and that's kind of what we did this time. But those guys have done, done a great, great job. You know, James Arnold leading the charge, of, you know, with putting those things together because it's not as simple as watching the play again. You've got to figure out what plays are reviewable. How does it happen? The time, coaches' challenges or not. I mean, there are pages and pages of protocol. I read so, through it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot, lot to yeah. not to think about. But you know, you've got that guy in the booth that's taking care of things with his communications guy standing next to him. Then there's the guy on the field. Now, see, when that happens, the only training that needs to happen is the white hat says the previous play is under further review, <laughs> and then he gets the answer and he says, yes. you know, the play stands as called. Blah blah, you know, that sort of thing. So you don't get into this large training stuff for every official in the state of Georgia or all the white hats and that sort of thing. That's that's just, you know, it's limited nice. to a small number of people. Yeah, that's smart. And along those same lines, though, I guess this is the time to make the pitch for folks who would like to be officials, because if I'm not mistaken, it's still staggered in the first round of the playoffs Friday and Saturday because of the, the limited number of crews again this year. Yes, yeah, we're we're that's that's kind of where we are, and and I'll tell you, here's another thing. If you bring that up, is the lack of officials, and I'll say up front, we're growing as far as officials are concerned. You know, everybody across the country took a blow with COVID, and we're we're coming back. It's not as fast as I want it to be, but but we're getting there, and and Georgia's in better shape than most. But one thing you got to think about. Also, it's when we went to seven-man crews, mm-hmm. you know, you you just figure, you know, every six crews, that's another crew that, that you don't have. So mm-hmm. you got that thrown into it. But when we talk about when we start and the heat, okay, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and, and we've done a lot of things policy-wise to and, – and I, I think that – Policy-wise and what we do as an association, we're going to be ranked number one in the country as far as safety of our athletes are concerned. And and we're very serious about that because it is so hot. So given the opportunity to back that season, to start a week later, because right now we have 12 weeks to play 10 games, okay? And you've got some flexibility in scheduling, and I get that too, but you also have some flexibility in officials. And so we looked at the possibility of moving a week, and that's another week where it's not so terribly hot and every little bit helps, you know? But if we did that, we would have to play 15, 17, 18 more games a weekend, which would be very difficult, and you'd be moving games to Thursdays and Saturdays and that sort of thing. It's still something that we want to think about as we continue to recruit officials. You know, we've got we've got a lot of uh, initiatives going on to bring officials in, you know, from NFHS and and those types of things, and you can see it on our social media. You know, we go to as many uh, job fairs at the local high schools as we can. We encourage our athletic directors and coach across the state to talk to their seniors about staying part of a team, stay involved in the sport that, that you love so much. And one thing about it is the NASO, the National Association of Sports Officials, which is worldwide, uh, you know, they're coming to Atlanta 
uh, this year, this nice. summer. And so we're, it's a big honor for us to be able to host. As a matter of fact, the GHSA on Georgia Officiate Day back in, I think it was 2012, still holds the record for the largest event in the country. Not that we're competitive or anything. <laughs> no, no and, competition and here at all. we're working on that again. And, Very and cool. what will happen is, is on that, uh, say, I think it's July the 27th, you know, we will host, and, and in Georgia, we have some of the top sports officials in the world as well. We've got them from NFL, Major League Baseball, and all that, and those type of people will be with us to speak to our officials, and we want them all to come. We want to bring somebody mm -hmm. with them. We want to recruit them because the number one way that officials are recruited is when another official gets them yeah. and takes them to a meeting and mentors that official, and uh, and that's, that's what we like to see. There's one football association that, uh, you know, I went to their banquet at the end of football last year's here in the metro area, and they had 22 new officials. They've been working wow. really hard. And and at that time, there was still a couple of weeks of the season left, and one of those officials, a young guy, had already worked 59 ball games. Oh, my gosh. You know, so he was working it. Busy. So, so you can make a little money. Yeah, you can you change in your pocket. That is true. So, yeah. so that, that's where we are. You know, we're, we're doing good, but we want to do better. Yeah, awesome. Well, hopefully we can get some, some new officials through this podcast as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a little ashamed that we waited till the very end to talk about girls' flag football. <laughs> Because I don't want to bury the lead. We should have done girls flag football first. We had so many things to talk to you about, though. How special is it to see the growth of girls flag football? How many new teams do we have this year? I know you talked about the relationship with the Atlanta Falcons, but I am so proud to watch this sport grow. Talk talk on that and, and um, the, the new classifications as well for girls flag football that they're adding. Well, we have three. Yeah, there's three. Yeah, you know, we have three. There's still I, three. I believe we had three last yeah, year. Yeah, there's too. still three. And, uh, but the way we're growing, mm -hmm. you know, there's a possibility of adding in the future yeah. because we expect to have over 250 schools, 215. Yeah. That's nice. incredible. That's and, uh, you know, it's something that I began to look at really the first year that I had this job and uh, Tommy Whittle. I don't know if y'all remember Tommy. Oh, yeah. Tommy was an associate director that was in charge of football and had a relationship with USA Football. And and we went down to Orlando, went to a Pro Bowl down there that mm -hmm. was around the event, which was like touch football, which is what it is now. It's yeah. flag football. But uh, went and, and, and watched how they were doing the flag football. And we're just thinking, man, this is great on so many different levels. And, you know, they have co-ed and different – way that, that things go and we looked at the at at doing that and just weren't ready i mean you can't just say hey let's play this new sport you know there's processes that you've got to go through and you got to figure out what you're going to do with officials what is the interest level and so on uh but we began to talk with the falcons you know it's something that uh rich was totally behind and and we just weren't ready to do it yet yeah. and uh and so we got together with them and set up a pilot program and started in Gwinnett you know with those 19 schools at the time that played and they loved it it was yeah. great and then the next year you know uh, there were Columbus you know uh Muskogee County and I think Henry County uh, there were several others that that came in at that time about 50 something schools and 
And then we were ready to sanction. You know, at that time, we we had put out a survey and we were ready to do some things. And I think bass fishing and girls flag football. <laughs> hey, you get scholarships for yes. bass fishing. Yeah, those were the those were the number ones. It was overwhelmingly that uh, that the association wanted to do that. And and so we had our first sanctioning, and we had about a hundred and. 70, 180 sign up, but then COVID mm-hmm. hit. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it dropped and we, we played that year with just short of 90. The next year, that number doubled and, and just look where we are now. And I'll tell you what else has happened is, you know, the, the coaching has gotten very strategic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It is very the, the, the quality of the competition. Is absolutely incredible, and when when it gets down to those championship games, and you guys see them, mm-hmm. I'm telling you what these girls can do it, and and they do a great job, and they compete just as hard as eleven man football uh, do, and and so we're excited about that, and and of course you know our commitment to girls flag flag football has been at the forefront yeah. for us because from the first time. We wanted to put it, you know, the championships at the big stadium, yeah. at Mercedes-Benz, you know, at Georgia State, you know, to put them on equal footing and, and, and that sort of thing. So we wouldn't have it any other way. One more thing on flag. I know you have called for some of the South Georgia teams to schools to create flag football teams. I've seen the growth in South Georgia. Are you proud of South Georgia for coming on board with flag football? I am. I, I really am. I, you know, I think of, and I'll I'll get this wrong, but I'll brag about my friends from Lounge. You yes, know, they, that's what I'm talking they about. Got, they got involved last year, mm-hmm. even though the travel for them to go play somebody was difficult, and I don't think they were able to play, but about six games or something like that. But Better than nothing. but the athletic ground there, Danny Redshaw, just a great guy. He's he's just committed, and and I'll tell you, people have seen that it's another opportunity that we can provide for our young ladies yeah. and, and they just do a good job and yeah. it, it's just getting better and better and better. So, so we're excited about yeah. that. We expect it still to continue to grow. Awesome. I think we're going to air the semis on GPB this year as well. So yeah, I mean, we've seen, we've seen the growth of the sport mm-hmm. with all the coverage that we do and we post it on yeah. uh, all of our social media platforms. I know you have a rundown. I've got a question for the last question. I think you can take the last question, John. Okay. So the last question, uh, you shocked Hannah. <laughs> oh, yay. I'm glad we're bringing this up. <laughs> you shocked Hannah by showing pictures of you and the fact that you play guitar and you've done it for quite some time. Yes. And you shocked her, the fact that you, that you play an instrument and all these kinds of things. So my question for you, if you had, and you mentioned the size of the, the band that you've played in the past, either four or seven. If you had your dream jam band, ooh, John, good question. Who would sit in with you for your jam session? Wow, that's really an unfair question. That is a really hard question, John. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I can. It would have to be a real big old band, but <laughs> Les Paul, okay, would have to be there. Chad Atkins would have to be there. Uh, Jerry Reed would have to be there. Uh, Jimi Hendrix is, you know, people talk about he's the greatest, you know, rock guitar player of all time, but he could play it all. You know, that guy practiced about 18 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dwayne Allman is is, yep. is 
just there, there's just so many from so many uh, genres, you know, bass players. I mean, it's hard for me to even think about who the best bass players are that uh, you know I'd like to see. You, you know, John Bonham's drummer. He'd have to tone it down a little bit. To, <laughs> you know, you know, with that, uh, you know, the professor. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know uh-huh. from from Rush, uh-huh. Neil Peart yeah. is is just amazing. Uh, you know, you got to have Chuck Lavelle, you know, playing the piano, and I would even take Greg Allman on the B three. You know, and Pete doesn't get enough credit for being a good B three player, and and I would want to have the Memphis horns. Yeah, you know, backing them up, and of course that's taking me in a, in a whole lot of. <laughs> A lot of different places. Yeah, but. see, see, I could sit here and probably go free. Yeah. Uh, let's see, uh, Booker T, Duck Dunn, Colonel Cropper, uh, Robert Johnson would probably you'd probably want to sit in with him with the, with all the blues. Uh, I you know I'm a I'm a guy that would want to be with uh, you know Mark Knopfler to have him sit in as a part of this whole thing. I just wanted to see. I wanted to get a gauge. Doc Watson, yeah, for crying out loud. As a matter of fact, my wife's uncle Bobby, who who uh, started the Stone Ponies with Linda Ronstadt, used to be Doc's bass player when he would do the West Coast Swing. And, uh, and as a matter of fact, I have his I own his bass. Nice <laughs> now. Yeah, he was going to sell his bass, and and so I was retired at the time. So mm-hmm. Kim and I hopped in the truck and drove to Arizona and picked up that bass that's sitting in my music room right now. Wow, music room. I do not know how I didn't know this about you, but that is so cool. And to see the pictures of your bands, so awesome, Dr. Hines. Thank you for being here, by the way. This the has pleasure been, this is has all been mine. great. Yeah. You're our first guest ever in our studio. We normally do the Zoom. So thank you for being well, our Well, I mean, you got you got to have the top dog in here, the executive <laughs> yeah. director. You of the set Georgia the bar High very Station. high. Well, I was just happened to be in the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Kevin was trying to go you to set this up. Yeah. We were going, well, I can't do it then. I can't do it. Grab then. the vaudeville cane and oh. just sit there and drag yeah. him into the I studio. I was feeling bad. I said, well, look, I am going to be at Mercedes Benz if we could just swing on by Get a time frame that yeah. we can fit into so well i'm so glad it worked out thank you for your honesty and opening up to us about all these questions that we have and all the new rules and all the new things it's very confusing uh, like you said it's headache central so we appreciate you being here breaking it down and we're excited for all the new changes and hopefully everything goes well <laughs> i promise you it will work out yeah it'll work it always out. does exactly <laughs> not exactly how it's going to work out but it's going to work out it's going to work out yeah i love that so right before he left the studio he played us some of his original music very very almond based he also sings very very it's almond brothers based awesome yeah <laughs> we're trying to get him on our peach jam podcast here subtle at subtle plug for other programming talk about to a crossover <laughs> event it's like you know like a chicago like chicago wednesdays have your crossover event with the executive director of the Georgia High School Association on Peach yeah, Jam. So awesome. Uh, last week we had a great game. Walton beat North Paulding 44-24. This week we have a Region 270 showdown at Garland Shoemake Stadium. Carrollton versus East Coweta. That one will be our TV game. And our web game will come to you live from Dallas, Georgia. The Region 5-6A matchup between Langston Hughes and East Paulding. Another announcement as we go down the list. Flag football starts on GPB this week. Woohoo! Thursday, we will be airing the Clash of Champions. So follow us on social media at GPB Sports to see where you can watch those three games as we kick off the flag football season, John. So it's a five-game week 
mm-hmm. here at Georgia Public Broadcasting. The Clash of Champions, back to back to back. That's going to be on GPB.org. On Thursday. On Thursday. That's three games on Thursday. Two more on Friday with two of the top quarterbacks in the country, Juju Lewis and Air Nolan. Looking forward to seeing them perform in separate locations, but you can watch them all at the same time, have a multi-screen experience every single Friday with two great quarterbacks here at GPB. Oh, staff whip around. Staff whip around. All right, so I actually, uh, so um, King James, I think, had the week off. Okay. So Central Macon had the week off. So here we go. Uh, as I went through and I was buzzing through very, very quickly, Ambassador <clears throat> Jeremy's Darlington beat Coosa 49-7. You can so. just go ahead and get to Lassiter if you'd like. Uh, Johnson Gaines will beat Lakeside DeKalb 2017. Uh, Lassiter beat Johns Creek. Woo-hoo! And it might it might actually be sco- it might actually be Scorigami here uh, on the Football Friday. Got to win. Georgia First podcast. win of the season, 24-2. That's what I'm saying. It could be Scorigami. I don't think we've ever had that score as a score here on the Football no, Friday. No, that is Georgia very podcast. interesting. That's an interesting one. And then uh, Jake the Snake, who is the only ranked team, I believe, uh, got the win. Parkview knocked off South Gwinnett by the score of 34-20. And uh, Commander Sandy's Decatur Bulldogs, they were in a tough one with uh, Tucker, losing 48-39. Oh. So that was... That's the rundown, and that is your staff whip around for yet another week. Staff whip around. There are so many awesome games. Do not forget to check out our GBB Sports rankings. They are out. They are. So do not miss it. GBB.org slash sports. GBB Sports app everywhere. Find the rankings to see where your team might land. Yeah. You want games? Games that I have in the spot shadow? I do. Okay. So in 7A, Walton and North Cobb. That's one. Uh, uh in, I think this is the week where Gwinnett and Cobb are off for the most part. I know Gwinnett's off this week for a lot of their teams. Uh, obviously, we talked about Carrollton in ours. Uh, let's see, in 6A, you've got Thomas County Central and Tift, Lee County and Veterans, uh, Houston County at Northside Warner Robins, big game in Middle Georgia to, uh, to take a peek at. In some of the lower classifications, there was one in particular that uh, I have as part of my weekly column. Yeah. Catching up with our friends in McRae at Telfair County, and they have Wilcox County. It is Thursday. Published reports have it on Friday, but because of officials and getting ready for the Perry Fair, they slid the the game up to Thursday. So Telfair and Wilcox in uh, in 1D2 is going to be Thursday. Clinch County at Lanier is another one. There's a lot of great games around the state in AA. There is uh, fellowship in East Jackson, three and two and six and zero, oh. and you've also got what was the other one that I had spot shadowed? Ah, oh, I can't. Oh, Pearson and uh, Pearson Tombs in two weeks. We'll keep an eye on that one. But Appling and Tombs, four and one, six and zero, oh, two versus three in Double A. Appling and Tombs, big region game this week. We catch up with uh, Buddy Martin, the head coach of Tombs County, also for my weekly column, Subtle Plug. Awesome. There you go. For my column, I'll be talking to Sly. County mm-hmm. senior cornerback mm-hmm. Jill Lewis Solomon. Yep. So check that out on Sunday. Um, and I think that's all we got. Thank you again to Dr. Robin Hines for coming in to studio and visiting with us. We're excited to be back at the bins this year. Um, and that that's all I got, John. That was a great one. That was a good one. I'm I'm feeling more informed. And especially with uh, Dr. Hines and his vocals and his guitar skills. Yeah, that was so fun. So uh, once again, thanks to everybody here who uh, made that event happen. First time ever we've had a guest here in studio. And so once again, thanks to everybody behind the glass, King James. It is so, um, let me see if I can do the math. I'm going to turn to my right. So it's Jake, it's Jake the Snake. It is Ambassador Jeremy. It is King James. 
and Commander Sandy and everybody there. So I'm going to turn back to my left. And so that's going to be another round of the Football Fridays in Georgia podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us for yet another week. Enjoy your games Thursday and Friday as flag starts. We covered here on GPB Games of the Week on Friday night. Play it safe, everybody. We'll see you next time.